You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. One of my favorite topics to talk about is marriage, and here's why. I feel like there's a lot of things that the world is screaming at us that sometimes you don't hear about in church or by friends that love Jesus that can encourage you or challenge you, champion you in what marriage truth there actually is throughout scripture. But today we're talking all about marriage from fighting to sex to how to be invested and involved in one another, bad habits that I might have picked up my first few years of marriage. But today's guest is joining me to help me tackle this conversation. And I am so excited to introduce you to her. Her name is Jessica Hoddle. It might sound familiar because I recently was on Jessica's show talking about marriage. It happened to be quite a popular topic that people wanted to know more about. There's obvious opportunity to extend the conversation for almost a part two. So this episode is that. It's a part two to that episode, if you will, where we dive deeper into things that we wish Jessica and I would have known before we got married or in those first few years of marriage where it's just kind of awkward and you're stumbling around and you're not quite sure if you clicked play on this episode because you are so excited for the next best resource about marriage, then I have something for you. You can now text the word marriage to 33777 and I'm going to pop something in your inbox that I think is going to help you a ton. It's a resource that includes three habits that I think you should break in your marriage right now. Let me disclaim that we are not experts. <laughs> we kind of joke and talk and giggle a lot about the failures that we've had and maybe still have within our marriage, but we charge and we champion each other within truth and love, call each other out, have lots of fun. And so we're hoping that this episode is just as much of that for you too. I share one of my favorite marriage resources within this episode. So continue listening until you get to that point, at least because it is amazing. So without further ado, here is an amazing conversation all about marriage with today's guest, Jessica. Hey, Jessica, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is what everyone listening, we call a podcast swap. <laughs> You might have heard me on Jessica's amazing podcast. Now, Jessica is joining us on Behind the Bliss for kind of continuing a conversation about marriage and premaritally, actually maritally. <laughs> um, we're talking physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the things that honestly, Jessica, you might agree with me that I wish I would have known yeah. before marriage and gosh, like things that I really wish I would have had someone shake me. And honestly, people probably did tell me these things. I just wasn't receiving them. Um, that I think really could help. And now that I know them have helped. And so I'm just excited to link arms with someone like you who cares just as much about this topic as I do. Yeah, no, it's definitely something I was passionate about and wrote a book about because it was something that I, I wish we talked about, you know, sex and things like that in a connotation that's not negative and disrupt yes. it like in the church, especially of, you know, sex is bad and all these things. And, uh, it, without context, it makes you, it can lead you to shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so much shame and guilt. And where 
I mean, we're probably going to jump all into this. I just, I'm so excited. All my words are jumbling up in my brain right now. <laughs> Shame and guilt is so, um, I think, prevalent in marriage too, because yeah. it is the, it is really the picture of who Jesus is to the church, us being the bride. And I think that the enemy wants nothing more than just to pull out all the stops to keep marriage from going anywhere, especially if it's a marriage dedicated to kingdom growth, to being on mission with a capital M. And so it's something we need to talk about because if we don't talk about it, the world's going to talk about it (laughs) and the world is talking Mm -hmm. about it. So how can we say, yes, but let's compare that to truth or that's not true at all. And here is the truth. And so I'm excited to do that with you today. (laughs) Yeah. I think something that's really helped me when I think about shame and guilt is identifying what it means because guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad. And when we kind of, cause we tend to lump those two words together, but they have two different meanings and guilt can lead us to repentance, but shame can lead us to this place that is actually further away from God. Cause we think that we're too far gone or we've sinned too much to enter the presence of the father. Which is so not true. Mm -hmm. And we hear, we can approach the throne boldly. Yeah. Scripture tells us that. Yeah. Yeah. Commands us to, um, before I, I really want you to tell people who you are and all the things that people are like, who is this Jess girl? I love her. Um, you can kind of share who you are with all the people. And then I have a thought. I need to actually write it down before I lose it that I heard at church this past Sunday that I think will seriously steer this conversation in a cool direction. So before we start that though, Jess, who are you? <laughs> what do you got going on? Introduce yourself. Well, my name is Jessica. It's nice to meet you. Uh, I am 32 at the time of this recording and my husband and I been married for roughly four years. Um, very new to this, just like you, Rachel, right? We're just learning along the yeah. way. Uh, we've been together for six years and we met on eHarmony and I kind of came to the- No way. I did not know this. No, yes, I did. And I love it. That's I was a fun fact. <laughs> I always <laughs> love telling people because I'm like, yes, there's nothing wrong as long as the Lord is leading you. And it doesn't become an idol, right? It always goes back to heart's posture. But I'm like, yes, I loved the experience. Um, but that is so fun. Yes. I want to hear so much more about that. So we met, uh, you know, six years ago and we lived two hours from each other. And, you know, when you go into eHarmony, it gives you this option to, uh, where's your radius? Like, how far do you want to go to meet somebody? And I was really at the end of his and he was at the end of mine. So he lived in a different state. I lived in Ohio. He lived in Pennsylvania. And we traveled two hours back and forth until we got married. We didn't live together. And before I met John, though, let me tell you, it was, uh, you know, (laughs) dating relationship after dating relationship. When I wrote my first book, Know Your Worth, the first chapter I wrote was A Year From Hell. And it was um, the year that I was just trying to get every guy to like me. I dated a sociopath and I had just... I probably came to the end of myself that year. I lost all of who I was. I mean, it was just a year where I was so confused because it led me all the years because I started, I lost my virginity at a very young age. I was 12 years old. And at that age, you don't, you don't know what love is and you begin to reach for things, you know, when your parents are constantly fighting and then you fight with your parents and you come from this kind of abusive home, love tends to look like abuse and you only learn what you've been shown 
And uh, that is what I took into many of my relationships. I was clingy. I was jealous. I was insecure. And I took that from 12 until 25, 26, um, serial boyfriend dater. I would date them for two years longer than I needed to. Because uh, I hated confrontation and saying no. And wow. um, so I have quite the history of dating and learning about dating and all those things. Girl, you have so much to share in so many different areas. I'm so excited about this. Um, it's funny, you've mentioned all of that. And now my point that I was going to bring up earlier makes so much more sense. <laughs> so thank you. You like set it up, you teed me up. Um, so I'm, I'm making sure I'm saying this right because I don't have it in front of me and it was too good to butcher. Basically, he was talking about how um, our pastor was talking about how God is, he is a problem solver. You posted about this actually, which was really cool mm. too, recently on Instagram, um, about how God is a problem solver and he is a cleaner upper. And nowhere else in our life could we be like, hey, can you clean that up for me? Yeah. Okay, thanks. I'm going to go over here just like finish cleaning up. We call those people bad names. Yeah. <laughs> that they're entitled or they're very prideful or privileged or whatever. And now actually we're commanded to go to God and say, can you clean that up for me? I'm going to continue on. Okay, thanks. Mm. And he wants us to go to him and to do that. He's the only one who can fix our mess. But so many times I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got it. And I make more of a mess by just like smudging it all around because I don't have the right tools or resources like he does. And, um, it's so funny that it's so countercultural. God's like, I, I want to do that for you. Like I sent my son to help you clean up your mess and you're still trying to fix it yourself, but everywhere else in my life, whether it's in, um, my sink with my dishes or spiritually, like emotionally in my marriage, I'm like, no, 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 like I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. Or can someone else clean it up for me? And I, I thought that was such a cool, such a cool picture of who God is and, what he wants to do for us if we would allow him. And it sounds like that is so much of that story for you of you came to at the end of yourself where you're like, I'm making more of a mess by trying yes. to clean this up. Yeah. Let me just get some help here. Mm-hmm. God, where are you? And I think that that's where a lot of us have found ourselves or will find ourselves um, if we don't turn and repent and Specifically, we'll find ourselves there in marriage, which is no fun because it involves two people, not just you. Yeah. It's harder to hide and you can't really escape from it. So let's talk about it. Let's go there. What I love about what you said too is I started thinking about all the other religions out there and Jesus, God, is the only one that takes us off the off the hook. It's like yes. all the other religions are about yourself and what you're going to do and what you don't do enough. Yeah. And God is like, no, no, I don't, it's not about what you do. And I love, it's like a beautiful picture of the savior, right. Of him coming for us. And I love what I was reading in a book um, by Andy Kobler and it's called try softer. She talks about closing the loops of your pain and guess who's the only one that can close the loop of your pain. Jesus. Jesus. And nobody else can do that the way that Jesus does. And I loved her example. And I carry that with me now. And I wish I would have known that many years, which is why we're doing this podcast so that whoever's listening, Hey, guess what? (laughs) Like you can do this. Uh, Newsflash. Yeah. Like take this now is I would often want closure on a breakup 
I'd want closure on a relationship. I would want to know why was I not good enough for you? And mm, why wow. did this not work out? Or why were, why was I doing the things that I was doing? I wanted, basically I had this self-righteousness where I was right and other people were wrong because I went through so much pain for, I mean, my, I pretty much came out of my mother's womb in trauma. And probably when I was in her womb, I experienced that, um, at a very, you know, biological level. And I was just thinking of, wow, I wish I would have known then that Jesus closed my loops for me. The, wow. the questions that I had, I wanted answers to guess who closes them. The ones that I wanted people to tell me, Hey, you're good. You know, you're good enough. All these things. Like I don't have to go to my mother and father now to close the loop for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult. I get to choose to close the loop, whether they choose to participate in that loop closing or not. Oh, that's good. And it's, very powerful for us to kind of then take responsibility for our own emotions, for our own actions and go, okay, I'm going to walk with Jesus to close the loop. And I'm not saying you're taking, you know, other people's feelings and emotions. And I'm not saying that what's been done to you or, or anything like that, that you carry and take responsibility for, but God does invite us in to take responsibility for our actions, for the words that we speak, for mm -hmm. how we carry emotions, for how we treat our husbands, for the, for the people that we date or, you know, go on dates with or whatever. We still have to show and be a witness of Christ. And that was really powerful for me of that, that loop closing. So good. Oh, how do you feel like that's affected marriage? Do you feel like those loops were closed before you got married? Or do you feel like John really had to love you and help you close some of those with you? Because I think that also um, something I want to touch on is bringing burdens into marriage, which we all will um, yeah. because we're sinners and we are so fleshly. But we have the opportunity to close those loops. And now with the strength and the accountability of a partner who's with us and for us, God willing. And so I would want to hear that story of what it was like to experience the trauma, have the shame going into marriage potentially, and how you guys stood together and worked through it so that you didn't have those chains and you could experience like a full free marriage. Yeah. I think all of us will start with an open loop. And then as you begin to confront new things, that loop slowly, it's like, okay, a quarter, you know, a quarter of the loop yeah. starts to close. When I met my husband, I was really coming out of that season from the year from hell. And I remember I was at my house and I was looking out the window and I had my fuzzy robe on. And I just remember being God, like, I'm okay. I, for the first time I felt okay. And then like a month later, I met my husband <laughs> and amazing. I went into marriage, basically this independent woman and you, you will not survive really as an independent woman in a marriage. <laughs> and I was the theme song of that. Cause when you live alone or even I had lived with three, uh, three guys and not the same time, but for two years apiece. And even at that point, I was still like the mother and the taking care of, you know, person. So when I met my husband, I was living alone. And when you live alone, you don't realize that you're independent or you have quirks or you like things a certain way, right? Until yeah. somebody kind of comes in and disrupts 
the patterns. Oh, yes. We have lots of those stories. (laughs) And that's what I started to encounter with my husband. When he would sit on the couch and I was like marching around, stomping my feet and cleaning the house and be like, why are you resting? You know, shouldn't you be doing this? And I had to slow down and be like, wow, like, okay, it's okay. Like, I don't have to to strive into this place to perform because for me, I carried in that if I don't do it, nobody else will. Mm-hmm. And I carried that into Jessica. my marriage. Yeah. And that was a yeah. loop that slowly is like, okay, like he can do this for me, or I just got to ask. And women, we just need to communicate better. We need to stop expecting men to read our minds or to get our cues or, Ooh, um, yes, because it just doesn't work. And guess what? We end up more frustrated when they don't catch our cues. That's it. Because we have an expectation that doesn't get met. Yeah. And um, I love how you said that because that was probably our year and a half and our first year and a half in a nutshell, like total frustration because the missed expectations, because the lack of communication and all of the things were off. And I was so mad. And so was he because poor thing. He was like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, you should know. (laughs) And I'm like, and in fact, I'm not even going to tell you what you're doing wrong because it would make me more mad. And then, I, I mean, everyone fails. And so- I love this. Practical number one, communicate and tell someone like, I'm, I don't know why I've learned to do this. Like, I love the example of you stomping around the house and <laughs> your husband sitting on the couch because I literally pictured this happening for us because it does. And I've learned to be like, Hey, I don't know why I feel this way. I'm really stressed out. And I think it has to do with like small things in our home, not being in order or whatever. And it would make me feel so good if we could just tackle the dishes real quick together. Yeah. And he's like, done, got it. Like, chances are he's not going to be the guy. It's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he wants to help you. And men are wired to want to rescue you from whatever you're going through. They want to be that for you. And so to give him the opportunity to say yes to come through for me leads to so much more breakthrough and honestly intimacy than if I were just to expect him to know that I'm anxious and I'm frustrated and these dishes are stressing me out. Like he doesn't know. So I love that. Practical number one. Yeah. I think for me that I've learned too, especially for the women out there that send cues, that get frustrated when things aren't done is I've learned a lot about myself. And one thing that I know about my husband is he loves words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Your husband will not do things that you keep ridiculing him about. It's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he's going to believe eventually that nothing he does is good enough for you. That's right. Oh, that's right. And so if he doesn't load the dishes right and you go back and reload them time and time again, what is he going to think? He's going to think I that. I shouldn't even do it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So eventually, guess what? He's not going to do it. And we have to understand that our, like we participate in the responses and the reactions that we also get. And that's what I had to learn is if I want something to be done, I communicate, Hey, you know, John, can you do the cat litter tonight? Can you, you know, and most of the time he will, but if I Mm -hmm. continue to slander him or complain that he's not doing something that I didn't even ask him to do, I have no right to do that. Right. And that goes yeah. back to me. So I'm just doing truth and love here because I we think, love it. <laughs> I think a lot of times we we need to encourage them in their role and know how they best receive love, even though it's so frustrating to us. And I shared this recently on Instagram 
this story where my husband loves to say it to me now, but I remember it was, it was about loading the dishwasher. And he said, and I said to him these words, I said, just because it's not done my way, doesn't mean it's the wrong way. Mm. And that has saved me so many times. Okay. He's loading the dishwasher. Okay. Just because it's not done my way, doesn't mean it's on the wrong way because we have to ask ourselves, does it still give glory to God? Does it still get done properly? Do the towels still get folded, even if they're not folded in a, you know, perfect geometric <laughs> square? Yeah. I mean, these yeah. are the questions that I like to ask and to share. I love, I um, similarly go through that in my brain, but I call it, is this a preference or is this a character flaw? Mm. So like if Thomas is, let's say, repeatedly, um, you know, like on the couch when I'm cooking and I would really love him to be in the kitchen. Like that could be a preference because I just would love the company. So I should tell him, like, I would love the company. Like we just come like sit on the counter or something, yeah. pull up a stool. Or is it, it's happening every night and now I'm feeling a little neglected and he deserves to know this is hurting me deeper. Yeah. Um, another example would be dishwasher. Let's continue because I think everyone's cackling because they've all been there. <laughs> like the dishwasher, total preference. Like is this a character flaw? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, are the dishes still going to get clean? Most likely. There might be a dirty fork, but let's get over it. <laughs> and then, but like, but then there are character flaws too where um, they're not punctual or You've they, asked them many times and they haven't followed through. They, they said they were going to do it, but they didn't. They did not keep a promise. Yeah. Um, they convenience lie. Like, hey, I'm passing by the grocery store and they're 10 miles behind it. Like those kind of things are the things that you should be putting that emotional energy towards to think through, to process, to sit them down, to confront. But if you confront everything, the preferences and the character flaws, then the character flaws aren't going to be taken seriously because they're going to assume it's your preference as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that – also, that has helped me sort through, this is a preference for Rachel. This is not actually something that is hindering me, our marriage, himself, or eternity. Yeah. <laughs> and so let's let's save that for something else. Let's find a way to relax. Um, but I, I love that too. So that's another good practical. I think um, – <laughs> Is in, it worth yeah, it? Oh, for sure. I think just going into the emotional is most guys don't operate at an emotional level. And understanding when we as women go, I just feel so, you know, sad and I'm so upset about this. And most of the time they're, they are like, oh, I, I didn't, I, they I are, they're just so naive <laughs> because they're so wired differently and created by God so differently to respond and take care of things differently than we are. And we have to honor that. And if I go to my husband, I'm like, I feel so this and this and this, he's a very logical thinker. And if I go to him with, um, he loves numbers, he's in finance. And if I go to him with numbers, that's more his language. If I'm like, Hey, I want to start this new business adventure or whatever. I have to be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. here's X, Y, Z. And here's the return on investment. And here's, you know, um, but if I'm just like, I feel like this would be so great. He's like, um, okay. But logically, right. <laughs> you know, I think knowing that too, of, your husband is not going to be that emotional being more than likely. Like he's going to have emotions, right? God gave all of us emotions, but communicating them effectively can be hard and to give them grace and to give them options. Like, okay, well, does this make you sad? And then he can answer or think about it or use one of those wheels. I can't remember the wheel it's called pull up the wheel and have him express what motion he might be a feeling, but to not shame him into not feeling what you feel. That's good. 
That's so good. Yes, they totally operate differently than us. But that's, I think, what the beauty is of being in a union together is you have something to offer the other person doesn't. And so instead of thinking they should also have this in their repertoire, think, oh, I'm so grateful that we don't overlap, that he can offer me something Mm -hmm. different. And I think that's a mind shift too of thinking – I'm so glad he's numbers operated because I'm not, or I am so glad he is a dreamer because I am not, or, you know, like instead of thinking, oh, he's so out there, mm-hmm. think, thank you, Lord, for giving me a dreamer because I need, to, I need to dream more apparently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also thinking about it eternally or eternally. Yes. And an eternity perspective and think, okay, the Lord has blessed me with somebody like this like Thomas, like John. It's like, what is it that the Lord saw that we are compatible in? What is it that we have that we can champion each other with that no one else could have because they're not the one wearing my ring or they're not the one in this unity? And so I think to be able to think through that and ask the Lord in those moments, you're frustrated or you're just like, what the heck did I do? Who did I marry? Think through and be like, Lord, answer that question for me. Like, who did I marry? Why did I marry them? Yeah. Like all the things. And when you give him the opportunity to answer that question for you, I think I personally have gotten so many cool revelations from it. Like this is this is why this is working. And I, as a God, don't compromise. So I didn't compromise your life because I gave you them or their dream or their career, um, which is kind of another tangent. I feel like a lot of times the world screams at us, like you'll lose your life the moment you walk back down the aisle. Mm, yeah. Um, or you're signing your life away oh, or whatever. I hate those and- cliches. Yeah. It's just like, I'm not a mom, but all the mom phrases out there, like you just wait until you're a mom and you have no life and you don't sleep, sleep. while you can. Woo. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It's the same. Something I, uh, I guess I didn't realize I even did this, but throughout our house, we have, I have like just little things from our marriage. Like he, um, we wrote our vows on like these pieces of paper, literally the day, like before I walked down the aisle and I my spiritual that. father at the time took them and put them like in, um, a frame. So I have the frame of our vows, like going down our stairs. And then in my office, he printed up one of our, our first Christmases together. He printed up all of our eHarmony emails and put them in a big no frame. Way. So I have all of our <laughs> conversations Uh, I think those little reminders, like you were talking about, like, Lord, show me, like, remind me why I married him. And we, um, at my, at the actual wedding ceremony, my cousin gave us this wedding jar and there's rocks. And every time you do an experience together or go somewhere to like, right where you went on this rock and put it in this jar. So now when we go to places, like when we went to Kenya, we got red sand from Kenya and we dated. And it's just another reminder of this visual. And I guess I have more of these throughout the house than I realize. But if you need to, if you see that visual, that can also prompt you to be like, okay, why, yeah. did, I, why did I marry this person? <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah. And and if you have those feelings too, know that you are not alone. Like I remember having that feeling the first month we were married. I was like, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so alone and so scared that I had that feeling. But I think that um, that is just the enemy doing what he does best, is trying to divide. And in those moments, instead of being like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that, think, okay, <laughs> I'm being emotional. Let's think through this for a second. And having those those reminders is so precious. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Who says this? Oh, Pat Barrett sings the song Sales. Mm. You know that song? I think so, yeah. Um, 
The very first words are falling is easy, but staying in love is hard. Mm. And as the first time I heard that song, I started weeping because I was like, yes, it's, it's so easy to fall for someone. And I think that's why infidelity is a thing. Like you, your heart wants to fall for something new, a new idea, a new experience, a new person, because change is sometimes fun for us. Hold on, pause. Do you hear these fighter jets over me right now? No, I don't actually. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, this is what it's like living on an airplane. <laughs> fine. Um, but I think that when you choose to be disciplined and to stay in it and to do it well, that's when you'll see that this thing is building into something that you never could have created yourself. Um, so staying there and being disciplined and finding routines and rhythms and things to do together that aren't going to be always fun, but you're still choosing to do them anyways because it's commitment And um, that truth will always trump feelings when you get in those habits. So what kind of habits do you feel like you've kind of set up in your marriage to continue to choose each other? I think our hearts will always try to fill what it's lacking. And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of goes off of the infidelity and things like that is when we're not communicating, then there's this hole that begins to basically start. And the longer it goes, the more pain that enters, our hearts just want to fill something because it feels like it's lacking something. And I just Mm -hmm. felt like I wanted to say that to piggyback off of you. But I think for my husband and I, we didn't always do this. It took us until February of this year to pray every night together and pray every morning together. We went to a conference in February before everything hit in 2020 and good time. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> we witnessed, like it was a conference. It was a wealth leaders conference about real estate and stuff like that, but it was a Christian based and his husband, the husband and wife would just pray like these powerful prayers. And so they did it on stage and they gave us an example where he would, the husband would pray out loud and she would actually echo his prayers, like say what he was saying to solidify what he was saying. And then, like afterwards, yeah, so like he would say something like, yeah, give us an example. Well, like, so he would be like, um, you know, thank you, Jesus, for the favor and blessings that you give to our children. Right after that, she would go, thank you, Jesus, for the, you know, blessings and favor that you have on our children. And like, she would just echo what he would say. Wow. That's cool. And I, I loved it because it was so fast. And it was just like this reaffirming that they were both standing on this truth together. Yes, um, and then yeah. she would speak maybe different areas. Like she usually would pray over the children, grandchildren and things like that. And he would pray over like business, new connections, new, you know, um, or whatever else going on in their life. And, you know, my husband and I, we kind of started this routine where now he prays at night when we're in bed. And then I pray in the morning before he leaves. And now it's become such a habit that it feels, it would feel weird if we didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. but it took us a long time to even get to that. I mean, Granted, we've been married for four years together for six, but it wasn't until we saw that visual of somebody doing that, that we were like, Hey, like we should probably be doing that. Like we would pray, but it wasn't this consistent, (laughs) you know, steady, I don't want to say system, but like rhythm. So that's one thing that we started doing and, um, we love hanging out together. So we do everything together. And except there's times where I just want to watch my shows or be, we we're both extrovert introverts. Uh, we love to go be with people, but we love our alone time and we love our alone time away from each other. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes. And so we're just very intentional. Like whatever it is, 
like we share everything. We believe in sharing everything in a marriage. Like we don't have secret bank accounts. Um, we don't, we share money back and like it is both of ours. It's not, you know, that's something that we set up from the beginning before we got married. All of this, a lot was set up before we got married, like what we believe in talking about finances, uh, goals, setups, like we're both savers. So knowing one's a, if one's a saver, one's a spender and how to communicate through that. But mm-hmm. I mean, all these systems that you kind of are intrinsic now, praying, um, open communication, knowing when to leave him alone or when he gets home from work, learning that because, you know, everybody responds differently. And yeah. I typically will always greet him when he comes in the door. Um, and that's only because I work from home. I'm not trying to sound like so much better than everybody else. Um, <laughs> but I've just learned that certain tones can set certain moods. If, if I come, like if he comes in the door and I'm just ranting, it sets a tone for him for the rest of the night. And I've, yes. I've noticed that. So trust me, there are times where I come to the door and I'm just like, you know, um, but I do try to agree. So there's little things like that, that, you know, knowing if your husband loves a clean kitchen, does he love a clean kitchen? Does he love dinner cooked for him when he gets home? Those little things in your marriage can go such a long way. hundred percent. Have you heard of the emotional needs questionnaire? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So excited. This has changed the game for us. Um, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It basically is a um, survey that you both do individually, but about each other. We learned this from our beloved small group leaders when we were first um, newly married. We moved to Birmingham. We had no friends and we just had no routine, like no discipline. Honestly, it's it's a miracle that we still like each other. <laughs> it was just was a really hard season. But they gave us this and they were like, okay, this is the emotional needs questionnaire. And it basically goes through nine, the nine emotional needs you need met in your marriage, period. Like there's really nothing else that covers everything. I'll read them. It's affection, sexual fulfillment, intimate conversation, recreational companionship, physical attractiveness, honesty and openness, financial support, domestic support family commitment, and admiration, which is like honor, respect. Um, and you go through each, each one has its own page and you basically, it sounds really bad, but like you rate your spouse. You're like, okay, how much do you, do I crave this? Like how much do I need it? How often do I need this met? Um, when I receive this, how do I feel? Um, when I don't receive it, how do I feel? And then you indicate the satisfaction with your spouse's like effort towards that. And then it's like, are they meeting it the way you need it met? If no, like what could they do differently? But it's so neat because I'm doing it for Thomas and Thomas is doing it for me. So no one's in the hot seat. Like it's, it's information we both need about each other and we try to do it in different seasons. So like we should probably do it now because we just moved (laughs) and we're in a completely different routine. But like, if you move, you have a kid if it's been a while, like you just kind of do it in every season just to check up and check in. Um, but it's so helpful because like domestic support, for example, he was like, I am so grateful. I always have clean laundry, but I feel like sometimes it sits in the dryer for a long time and I have to go fetch it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, small things like that, but then bigger things like, hey, I like love how like you know, you used to really dress up for date nights and now you don't anymore. And I love you're comfortable with me, but I would love to see you in heels and a dress again, like things like that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I never would have known. And I don't think 
I love I love our men, but like I don't think they would have thought through to tell us that had they not been prompted. Yeah. Anyways, it is I will link it in the show notes because if you are married, you I I'm telling you, it is an actual game changer and I'm happy to share it with all the people because it just helped us. Anyways, my rant's over. But it is that. It's like it it helps you figure out um what areas can I am I excelling in and what areas do I need to work in in order to meet the needs my husband needs because I assume what Thomas wants instead of asking him what he needs. Yeah. And a lot of times that means we just miss each other. Like we're trying so hard and we're putting so much effort towards something, but it's not even something they need. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's true. Cause I, you know, you read about stories and books like five love languages or anything like that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I took you on five trips this year. And she's like, well, I, I don't care. I, trips. Like, I don't yeah. care that we went on trips. That's not what I'm, what I care about, you know, and he thinks he's doing great and each of us can think we're doing great. But in reality, it's like, we're actually doing terrible and we're doing great in this area, but terrible actually meeting their needs. <laughs> so Correct. yeah, it's great. Yeah. It sets that all up. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I'm so passionate about it. So for real, I'm going to link it in the show notes. I'll send it to you too. And I want to know, you know, if it, if it, is helpful for people. Yeah, it sounds like great. It was for I love us. it. It's amazing. I want to know what is something you would go back and want to tell younger Jess before she got married, um, knowing what you know now about marriage. Mm. I think for me, just patience and knowing that you can't change anybody, even if it's your husband, no matter who it is, like you can only change you. And the more that I, I've learned, like the more that I meddle and I try to like, cause it, I hate it when I feel like a nagger. Gosh, that like, ugh, I hate saying yeah. a word, <laughs> Cringe. but like, I tend to do that sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing? Babe, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, get off your phone. Come on. They yeah. get a text uh, and you're like, who was that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, like, I'm just like, oh, okay. And I think for me, it's just patience and knowing that how my, how you speak, I mean, greatly impacts how he responds and knowing that I can only control me and how I talk and move and what I do, um, as I do it with him and not expecting him to change, but God is the one that changes hearts. That's good. Wow. Yeah, I think younger Rachel needed to hear that too. <laughs> I think right now Rachel needed to hear that. Yeah. yeah. I and I want to talk about sex for a second. Ooh. Um the fun thing about it is that when I hope that people listening aren't intimidated because I think that what we're talking about is really hard to, to all do well at once. Like I think we're gonna have seasons where we do really well at one thing and we might be dropping the ball at another. And that's where forgiveness and communication comes into play. But when we do put forth the effort and intimacy goes outside the bedroom and it goes into conversations at a dinner table instead of eating in front of a TV, or it goes to just trying to be disciplined and ask each other about your day or be more mindful about the nagging or something like that. I think that's where intimacy in the bedroom gets easier because mm-hmm. it's an overflow rather than a chore or a thing to mark off a list. Yeah. And so I have a lot of friends that are like, I'm really struggling in the bedroom department. I just can't even get there. And I've been there. I get it. And what I've noticed in those seasons is a pattern of lack of discipline outside the bedroom. And so 
I just don't even, I just don't even have the emotional attention. Yeah. <laughs> or um, honestly, the desire because I'm feeling neglected or I might feel like I'm neglecting him and the shame cycle. So have you noticed that pattern too? Yeah, no, <laughs> like I am. Yes. <laughs> you know, if we're just going to be real here is, you know, we'll, we'll, talk about it. And I'll be like, what did you do for me? Why, why would you think that I'm ready to go do this? Um, and yes. that's just like a real conversation, you know, and it's kind of this process. Cause right. A, a woman, typically most women, I'm not like, you know, lumping anybody cause everybody's so different. They want to feel a connection first. Yeah. And yeah. that comes, like you said, pre-bed, like all that happens, like, did you do the dishes today? Okay, great. I'm ready now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if that's no, that you, sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah. Like if you love when acts of service, like if you love when he helps around the house, then great. Like your love tank's probably feeling good. Um, so you will go through these ebbs and flows, but man, does it always come back to communication? Um, mm -hmm. and just honoring each other of where you are in that, in, in that place and in that day to day. Um, sometimes certain seasons, like I know, people that do have strict days that they do because of kids yeah. and their work schedules that they actually just put it on the calendar to make sure that like, Hey, this is an appointment we can't miss. And I think sometimes like, there's no shame in that. I think sometimes you just are like, I'm intentional about this. This is important to our marriage. Like, let's make sure that these are the days. Cause this fits in our schedule. You know, like, yeah, I think it just, you have to figure out what works for you and, um, that communication and understanding of both parties is super important. Yeah. Um, I heard this and I thought it was so true that Satan will do anything he can to get you in the bed before marriage and to keep you out of the bed when you are married. Yeah. That's because so it true. is like a, it is a stamp of this is us together. Yeah. Like this is the most that we could honor and like love each other and we'll choose it anyways. And it's hard to do. Yeah. And so whether it takes putting it on the calendar or I mean, like, Talking, just having a really awkward but good, honest conversation about it, which is where I'll shamelessly plug the emotional needs questionnaire again because mm -hmm. that's on there. Or um, I have friends that do something really fun where like if if he needs to give her a sign like, hey, it, it's been a few days and I really need this, then they have like a thing on the side of their um, bed. I don't know what it is, but it's like a little – it's it's like something random. Like they'll like flip a book over. Or like give each other a sign, like, <laughs> hello, so they don't have to be straight up like, okay, let's have sex tonight. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to let you initiate, but I need you to know this is how I feel. Um, and I thought that was really cute because yeah. it, I mean, it's communicating, but it's not like, let's have sex tonight. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But just like finding fun, creative ways for it to be a y'all thing mm -hmm. and not feeling like there's any other standard, but Christ's to live up to. And that is filled with forgiveness and grace and love and respect mm -hmm. and respect goes both ways. It's recognizing that she might've had a long day and it's also recognizing that it might, it might have been too long for him, you know? Yeah. And, um, just, yes, the communication's good, but for anyone that's in that area, it's just feeling the most annoyed or overwhelmed or just the largest lack of desire, I would say start evaluating places in your life that you um, don't feel desired or you feel like 
there might be a place of neglect or something and start that conversation there because it will overflow. Mm -hmm. I will say, like, personally, some of our best moments, intimately, (laughs) this is weird, is typically, like, after a breakthrough. Like, it could be after a really hard day and we get in a fight, like a really big fight, and it ends in tears and forgiveness and a hug. Like, those are some of the best nights because we're at a humble like close, intimate space that can't be just like replicated or just done because of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So just get real with each other. Yeah. I, I even agree. If it's and, real bad. <laughs> and if you I think too, it's um I think communication is one of the biggest struggles for so many people. And uh it's I mean, I didn't always start this way either. I mean, I hated confrontation for almost my whole life. Like confrontation, that means I would agree and do anything just to not have a disagreement. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that is not going to get us anywhere. And I learned about, you know, I read all of this in my worthy wife too, where it's, you have to learn your, your speaking style and know your husband's style. Meaning has he always been passive? Do you, have you created him to be passive? Is he passive Hmm. aggressive? Is he assertive? You know, it's even learning those little things really helped me because I've seen women and I've talked with women and helped women understand he wasn't passive when you met him, but you could have created him to be passive because you've shot down everything that he's felt and said, well, that's stupid. Why would you feel that way? When you say those words after somebody tells you how you feel, you're creating Mm -hmm. something in them that says what I feel doesn't matter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's easy then for a man, cause first of all, cause we know men have a hard time communicating what they feel. So when they do, and then we shoot it down, that continues to affirm in them that, okay, I'm just not going to say anything because it's better to not say anything. And we create this kind of passive person. And then we're like, why are you saying anything? Say something, you know? And we're like, and then they don't want yeah. to, because we've taught them not to. Mm-hmm. And that goes back oh, on us, yeah. right? Like that, again, it's, it's evaluation of ourselves and be like, okay, am I, what am I doing? That's actually, am I blaming? And this is another one I want to end with is do I go to all my friends and my coworkers and complain about my husband? Oh, please say it again, 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 again. You know, it's like, do do the coworkers think that your husband is like this, this rat, this like terrible person and Mm -hmm. just hate on him? And are you going to them to solidify what you feel or do they challenge you in what you feel? Cause I'm not the girl that's going to be like, Oh my gosh, Rachel. Oh my, he's just such a tool bag. Like I am so not that like, don't come to me. Like I'm going to be like, okay, so what are you doing about this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we need those people in our lives. So we need to stop complaining about our husband. We need to stop, you know, going to all of our coworkers. And I think again, I have a friend that I could like, she's my best friend. I confide in her, right? There is healthy. Like you have maybe that two, two people that you can go to, to ask for advice and to kind of say like, you know, this is really upsetting me. I just need to talk about it, you know, and work it out and get some feedback and then go to your husband. I think that, you know, that's healthy to not bend and lash on him, but we have to be careful with who we talk to and our coworkers and and stuff like that. So I did want to say that. I love it. And yes, I think that is so true. 
and to have that friend that can help you filter and maybe even help you figure out words to communicate. Um, like crafting a conversation I think is really important, especially when you're emotional. I tend to say things I don't mean or it comes out the wrong way because I'm just so frustrated. But having a girlfriend that you can sit down and be like, okay, this is how I feel and I'm I'm going to communicate it with him, but I kind of run my words by you. And for her to be like, ooh, I think that's a little bit more hurtful than you mean it to be, you know, is the accountability we need. And that's where you know, iron sharpens iron, but also make sure that that friend is just as much for your marriage as they are for you. Cause there are going to be friends that are like, Jess, oh, no girl, you need a you weekend. You go to you and, <laughs> and those are fine. Yeah. But to have a friend that's like, let me remind you like how amazing Thomas is <laughs> like he's pretty great so like don't you forget it yeah um it's so empowering to, or do like, you remember your you. annoying traits how about let's talk about how yeah. annoying you can be <laughs> <laughs> or like Rach you kind of are a punk so let's talk about that for a second yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know I just think that that's also so important so I'm so glad you brought it up so many good practical tips today that are needed I hope people are feeling empowered and um Here's the freedom. Here's the good news is that you're not going to be able to do it all perfectly. So release the pressure. But with prayer and with purpose and with passion, like I really think that these things can start becoming habits in your daily walk and your marriage and your life. So Jess, Mm. I'm so grateful that you spilled the truth with love for us today. (laughs) No, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. So fun. If someone wanted to find more about you or get their hands on your wonderful books or something like that, where can they find you online? Um, you can come find me on Instagram. I love hanging on Instagram, Jessica Hoddle. Um, my website is Jessica Hoddle, where you can find my books and also my podcast, What's the Truth, where Rachel has been on and we address a lie every week and a truth talk on Monday. I love that. I love it. Okay. Favorite question. Well, actually not because I loved a lot of our questions today, but one of one of my favorites is what are you loving these days that you have to share with the people? It could be anything. It could be a shameless plug or a product, something that you think would enlighten us. Hmm. I have been loving these homemade pizzas. <laughs> uh, so I take yes. <laughs> like these almond flour tortillas and I like create two layers. So I take two tortillas, take one on the bottom, put a little bit of sauce, put some cheese, put the other tortilla on top, and then put whatever toppings you want, like more sauce, more cheese, sausage, whatever. And then I put it in the oven and it is like amazing. I'm like, why didn't I do this oh before? Gosh. So that is definitely, it's something, it's like one of those newfound, oh my gosh, this is so good. And it tastes like pizza in a sense. And it has like a crispy little crust and, but it's like almond flour tortilla. So it's so easy. Better than eating like, like a whole pizza because I could totally do that. Oh, girl, I could totally do that. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. Okay, I'm going to have to try that. Oh, it's one of those things you find out and you're like, why did I just find out about this? This would have been helpful in college, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, again, you are a treasure and I'm so grateful for our friendship and being able to empower and love on people with lots of hugs, but also a little kicking the booty. Be like, you can do (laughs) it. Um, So I'm just so grateful for you spending time with us today and loving on us. Thank you so much. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.